welcome to Everything is Television. My name is Justin Blizzard. I'm joined by Keith Krepko and Chris Summers. And we're going to talk about episode four of 112263 called, I believe, The Eyes of Texas. Are closed and sleeping. <laughs> um, yeah, so episode four. Uh, I think I'll start off by saying uh, I don't know if the show has lost me wholeheartedly. But this was, um, I don't know if it was a bad episode per, per se, as much as it was more of the same, right? It was a bad episode. I mean, I, I would say it was a bad episode, mm-hmm. but thinking about it, I feel like it might be a bad episode just because it's more of the same, right? It's more of, like in episodes two or three, not much happened, but for me, the sort of premise was keeping me going. But now we've had three straight episodes of more or less nothing happening and the stuff that does happen is not good right well yeah there there's two problems i have number one is they're taking great source material and making the most boring adaptation of a of great source material but number two you don't have to have read the book so then when i watch this story as unpredictable as you think a story of time travel to go and stopping uh, the assassination of um, JFK from source material by Stephen King as kind of um, bizarre and out there as that can seem. They're telling the most mundane story anyway, you know, like had I not read the book, we know the beats. Like, for example, is Bill making it to the end alive? Hopefully Bill's a not. Bartender? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, probably not. No, he's not. We know Bill's not going to last. And then we know his lies aren't going to last, right? Number one, because James Franco is such a terrible liar in the show. But number two, because, of course, she has to find out. And then he needs to, you know, spill the beans and all this other stuff. It's just everything's going along at a predictable clip. And it's really annoying and predictable um clothespin okay <laughs> yeah we can t- okay. we can get right to it the clothespin i'm sure the there's an explanation for that in the book curveball i don't remember that being in the book well i i read the explanation or an explanation on reddit and does it reference the book Kind of. Okay. It, it was it was more or less this was the impression I got from the book. There's there's multiple theories, but there I, I don't I think there is an actual right answer out there as of yet. Sure. What's oh, the, maybe we can be the first one then. Maybe well, we, Justin can break the news. Right. Well, I have I have the theories. I I too. If you actually type in eleven uh twenty twenty two. If you actually type in clothespin right now on Google. This will be the, the, the top search. You, you joke, but that's actually correct. If you type exactly. in 11 dot, you'll see 2263 clothespin. <laughs> so everybody wanted to know if they were missing out on the joke. So How go- long until an indie band names themselves clothespin? Clothespin? It'll never Close, happen. Clothespin erection? 
this show has been erection. There you go. <laughs> it'll never happen because this show will be forgotten about in about four weeks. Yeah, that's perfect hipster fodder. That's right. true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, from so from what I read, the the be- the most comprehensive explanation was that this guy was more or less a sh- so so the idea is that his parents no when he was a kid his parents saw that he was aroused by something and so they put a clothespin on him to stop it from happening and so he just grew up being ashamed of it and that's how he lives his life ashamed of his erection and wearing a clothespin on his wiener at all times apparently at all t- I don't know if it's all times, right? Maybe it was just like for the arousal. He just knew he was going to get aroused and put it on there for her. I guess. Yeah. But it, yeah, it was definitely a curveball. And the entire time that she, that uh, uh, whatever her name is, is talking to Franco about it. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking like I'm 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 only like 25 percent sure of what she's even actually talking about. Like I'm thinking like I'm waiting for James Franco to be like, I don't understand why you're so upset right now because I really <laughs> don't even understand what you've said to me. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Apparently he understood because yeah. he, he didn't seem str- weirded out at all. He just, he seemed more understanding than anything. Like well, yeah, maybe it, he has a clothespin of his own. My, my <laughs> wife started laughing when she was like, he took my hand and he put it down there and I screamed. Yeah. Because yeah, you're like you're telling this in the most obscure way possible. Right. She also said what she was laughed, down there though. Well, no, yeah. First she, she well, yeah. Did you say she touched it and laughed, or she touched it and screamed? I can't. Remember. She saw it and laughed. I thought, and then he got upset. That's, oh, that's right. right. He screamed. And, she opened her eyes, her, saw it, yeah. and then laughed. Yeah. Right. Um. Well, I've read two other theories. One that he used a clothespin to basically keep an erection like a, a wrist uh, like a, he has an erectile dysfunction which doesn't right. seem to make sense to me and two it's a better way of doing it. because of all his ocd <laughs> tendencies he he has like a fetish for pain so he uh-huh. constantly puts a clothespin down there because he's a masochist but i've also read your theory which does appear to be the most accurate at least yeah. in my mind yeah um, but is that like, is that, is that too little too late? If this, how, how does that fit into the series? You know what I mean? Like that is definitely like another, I feel like sort of Stephen King moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the last time I felt like something like that in the series happened was the first, maybe the second episode. And so now it kind of feels like, mm-hmm it just feels completely weird and out of place instead of being like, Oh wow. I'm, I'm kind of in this weird universe that Stephen King has created. They seem to have lost all interest in the actual plot of the, of the show. Like we're going off on tangents now. They're not even talking about the Kennedy assassination. Right. So the only thing I could say that could save this, this side story is they do seem to be hinting at something Again, this Keith might know the answer to this, but they may be hinting at the fact that the girl may be a complete and utter psychopath because she sees the clothespin and then she laughed, which is kind of a weird reaction. Why would she laugh at that? You also recall when we when he first found out that she was 
in town and single again. She seemed really clingy immediately. She said things like, why wait? You know, what's, what do we, uh, you know, why, why not rush it or something like that? And then also there's the scene where he gets into a fight with the ex-husband and then he, he looks completely pathetic. And then he, he says, you guys deserve each other. So there's, there's all sorts of hints that she may turn out to just be the crazy one. No, I think in his messed up mind that he feels slighted by her and that she's kind of damaged goods, you know, because they were sleeping together and she's kind of dirty like he's dirty because he was he was really upset by uh, James Franco's language and all that other stuff. You know, I, I think it's more of like Justin's explanation where he comes from a very kind of probably religious home mm-hmm. that punishes bad behavior. And now he has all these complexes, but I don't think that he views himself as like a, like a bad person, you know, which is why he does all these. Well, Stephen King, the bad Stephen King should have called me first. Cause my plot is better. <laughs> right. Your, your, yours probably is. And can we, something else that you said, Justin, where like, this is just more of the same. I agree. Can we, can we now agree that Jake Amberson for being a, a writer just doesn't really have a strong command of the English language because whenever he's pushed emotionally, he just <laughs> goes right back to the same old, like when the guy comes at him. <laughs> right. I was, I was going to ask what you guys thought of the confrontation with the ex-husband or the estranged husband. Yeah. Where just, it's essentially James Franco yelling at him, go F yourself. Yeah. You, you piece of crap. Right. Over and over again. Over and over <laughs> like, again. Uh, all right. Yeah, it didn't really work that well for me in that scene. Yeah, and I, I wanted to be like, you have 40 years of slang under your belt. Pull something out. And earlier in the episode, he kind of like does his first little, oh, here, let me sing you a song that I wrote and uh, sings the Beatles. Right. Um, and then goes on to to totally describe the Beatles and... Yeah, that was. It was so. Th- this show, bo- this show also. What's the tone of it? Yeah, it feels like it's such like it could with a laugh track. This could be like a, like a film sitcom, you know, with like these beats, these like humorous beats, um, and then it will wildly swing to a clothespin moment or, you know, the yellow card man who in the book is not a ghost. But right. in the show, apparently, he's, he's some just, sort of omnipresent. He's popping figure, up all yeah. over the place, which, again, you know, Chris, you said, like, maybe I know more. This show hasn't cared about the book since, like, episode two. I mean, mm. it's not even. Yeah. It's, it's really not close. Well, you touched upon something that I read today that's totally true. And, and the first episode had a touch of humor to it, like, like most Stephen King uh, novels and, and then movies. Where's all the humor now? It's it's a show that's taking itself really seriously, but it being unintentionally funny. Whereas episode one, you could tell there was clearly moments in it that were funny and they've just abandoned that. And I guess that's the problem with having multiple different directors doing different episodes. Is that is that true? They're, they're all different. Yeah. yeah, some have two, like the, the opening Kevin McDonald pilot he did. But have you noticed the tone two. of the show's changed as, as it's gone on? I mean, I want to say yes. I think you're absolutely right in the fact that it is unintentionally funny. 
I think. But I think they're trying to be funny. Just the jokes that they think are going to land don't. And in the moments that James Franco has to confront somebody or lie to somebody, he becomes right. hilarious. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the whole Godfather moment of this of this episode too. Oh right? my goodness! Where he's like, confronted by Miss Mimi, and then he starts recalling the Godfather storyline. Right. And that for me, that was my moment of like, why are we spending time on this? Yes. Like this, we're four episodes in. Yes. You've not move the story forward at all why am i listening to this right now and not only that we also established either before or after that moment he also does that with the beatles thing so it's like that's the exact same beat that you've just put in the same episode Mm -hmm. twice for what reason i have no idea well they hadn't they had a chance and this this is where you just said this is where the show lost you i'll tell you where the show lost me they had a chance to just drive that ridiculousness home later in the episode and they missed it. And that's when he goes to the door in that overly emotional scene where the tear drops and he's telling the girl, yeah, <laughs> he goes to the store, the door with flowers and a box of chocolates. And he literally utters, remember he's told the Godfather and Beatles. He literally utters the line. Life is not like a, a thing of flowers, <laughs> a handful of flowers. All he had to say was life is like a box of chocolates. And right. I, would, I would have been like, okay, that's pretty funny. <laughs> Blown. Blown opportunity. Blown. It's, it's a joke so nice that they had to tell it twice and it wasn't a good joke. And, and the right. thing too is he doesn't like change the names. In a few years, these guys are coming and then Miss Mimi's <laughs> going to see the movie and she's going to see Frito. She's going right. to remember you. Well, that's what I was thinking about the Beatles. Like, aren't the Beatles like a Around? year away from what is going on right now? Yeah. That, that's They're ex- not that far off. And he's just like throwing around names. He's having yeah. a good time. And it's like, hey, James Franco, space time continuum, man. You know, you can't be messing with that stuff. Um, uh, Speaking of the story not being moved along. I thought there was going to be uh, more surrounding this problem of Lee Harvey Oswald and his cohorts speaking Russian. Yeah. But instead it just is like, well, they're speaking Russian again. So this whole part is lost. No, right. But- I th- because the way they played it before it was like, we're going to have to find somebody to figure out what they're saying. Mm-hmm. But instead it's just turned into like, all right, can't listen to this part of the tape. Let's go do something else. And and the one moment that is very incriminating, uh, they're like, they're speaking English. It's like, <laughs> well, yeah, why would they speak English? I mean, this show why, is so Why would they absurd. ever speak English? Especially right. during the parts where they're going to say something incriminating. And what they go to that brothel and it gets busted. And like what Lee Harvey Oswald's like, oh, yeah, this is. This is supposed to happen. This is fine. I get busted in a brothel right before I do an assassination attempt on Governor Walker. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just like, I, I wanted to be like, did that raid, was that because ha- Oswald was there? Or right. was that the past pushing back and That's, Oswald had yeah, to flee? Yeah, I, I was, the, the bordello scene, it makes just, there's just absolutely makes no sense whatsoever. Like, why are they there? What does he expect to do at a bordello? Like, 
Why would he get to see any skin? Right. What was he staring at? Why is he staring at at them? Right. What, what, like, there was that moment, that intense moment where he's staring at Lee Harvey Oswald as the other guy looks like he's about to, well, seal the deal. And (laughs) I was thinking, what is he seeing? What's about to happen here? And then nothing. They have no explanation. Well, and he, he never has a cover. His cover for like, no, hold on. I just want to stare in this room. Yeah. Well, and then when they go get out, what was he going to say? Uh, you got me. Right. And then, and then his, his cover is basically to be like, I don't want to do anything with you. It's like, you're just making it worse. What are you? Yeah. What are you doing? I hate you, Franco. (laughs) I hate the show. Um, who is the, so who do you guys think the yellow card man is? Can Keith, can you tell us who he is in the book without giving away spoilers for the show? Do you think is his character that different? I think his character is vastly different. The, the use of the yellow card man in the story is really cool. And Uh it all ties in based on my memory. Now, when this show diverged, I stopped bringing the book over here and stopped even trying to refresh my memory because I was like, this show doesn't care mm-hmm. about this book. Um, <clears throat> but no, yeah, the way that they're using him in the show, and again, this is pure speculation, is he's the past, mm-hmm. you know? Like, he's giving her suggestions on where to go right. at the end, just saying, like, I want you to go down these stairs, so mm-hmm. there she goes. Um, yeah, and apparently he's been in all of the episodes, uh, but in the other, in the first one, it's obvious in the, in the second and third ones, apparently it's more of a sort of like I spy type of situation where you're only seeing him if you're very, like a fight club very closely he's yeah. spliced in, but mm. in this one, it's, he's very obviously, like you said, he's more or less leading, uh, I didn't, woman I didn't see that stairs. at all. Exactly. Oh, you didn't see him in this episode? Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. I didn't see him in any other episode except for the first. Oh, I didn't either. But I've noticed on Reddit that people are saying, here's screenshots of the yellow card man in episode two. <laughs> so. Hmm. Well, that's exciting. <laughs> yeah. It's, it seems like, yeah, he might more or less be a physical manifestation of the past. And whenever he's around, you know, something bad's going to happen. Right. To me, they're used to the yellow card man and their their misuse of the yellow card man, I think, kind of proves that J.J. Abrams was shooting Star Wars all during this. <laughs> and he probably forgot that this was even a project with his name attached to it until it, the pilot episode aired. He was like, oh, goodness, he got a text probably from James Franco. <laughs> That's me remembered. Because it has no it has no kind of like what what you love about JJ Abrams is is that he's a showman in some ways. That he knows how to um spoil leak, you know, his his projects and how to kind of build in mythology and get you interested and excited and market it. And this show is just blowing every opportunity it has to do anything interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we had, this was another episode where 
where one of the opening lines was really bad. Uh, so bad I wrote it down. Okay. When James Franco looks at... Does anybody know what the woman's name is? Um, um, hmm. Sadie. Sadie. That's oh. right. I know that because my friend's dog is named Sadie. <laughs> when James, when uh, Jake looks at Sadie and he says, you know what they say, smart is the new sexy. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> and her response is like, nobody, nobody says that. <laughs> kind of like, you know what? You're right. You're- nobody does say that. And I have no idea why he would walk in and say that to you. Why somebody wrote that into a television show thinking it was an acceptable piece of dialogue. And why that's the phrase he's held on to. Right. In this, in this uh, yeah. time travel. See, that's what happens when he tries to bring back modern day lingo. You get lines like that. Maybe he should just stick to the F's and S's. Right? <laughs> that's what he's good at. I mean, he's great at shouting. Those roll right off his tongue. Everything else comes out like marbles. Did either of you pick up on the line about uh, uh, when they're about to go into the, I guess maybe it's the bordello, and James Franco says, uh, what's his name, Uh, Bill doesn't want to go in, and and Franco says, if you're staying out here, then wait in the car with the other babies. (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking like, are there babies in there? Wait a minute. Who is waiting in their cars in the outside of this place? Like, do they have babies in their cars? That was the Why is he just calling him a baby all of a sudden? Right. What, when did this get personal? <laughs> well, apparently James Franco is experienced with this. Going to brothels and leaving babies in the car. <laughs> um, the last thing I had written down, the, the last note I had for this episode was... That I literally laughed out loud when James Franco turned to Sadie in the school's office and mouthed the words, I love you. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that was pretty bad. He seemed to have forgotten what where he's actually from. I mean, you know, we I talked about nitpicks right and we've gotten feedback on some of the other shows and generally i don't think people like just endless nitpicks Mm -hmm. but this show is just nitpicks now Mm -hmm. so with in that spirit let me just say what about him coming back from the brothel and uh deke is it Mm -hmm. is like Apparently, his punishment is that he's going to work straight from the brothel. He's not going to get a, new, a clean shirt. Mm-hmm. So he walks into the school like he completely rolled out of a trash can. Mm-hmm. Like, all you need to do is tuck in your shirt. And he doesn't even do that. Yeah. And he, wa- he walks into the office. And Miss Mimi's like, what's wrong with you? He's like, oh, yeah. And he starts to try and tuck in his shirt. And he does a really horrible job. And I'm like, what is James Franco telling us in this shirt tucking thing? You know, just the character, he would tuck his shirt in. He'd be like, oh, Deke, this is my punishment. Let me just tuck in my shirt there. There, I look like a normal human being, you know? But he acts as if not being able to get a clean shirt just totally throws this guy off. That's the worst thing you could do to him. He doesn't know where he is anymore. He doesn't know how to teach. 
He doesn't know. He barely knows how to walk. What about the extemporaneous, pointless voiceover? Did you notice when he walks into the um, into the office after Miss Mimi gets him about tucking in his shirt? He walks over and he just goes, "Coffee." Oh yeah, and he lifts up the coffee <laughs> yeah. pot. Or what about when he goes and he follows, you know, the handler Oswald's handler. And it's just a random voiceover moment where he's apparently driving up into the parking lot. And he's like, out in the open, classic CIA setup or whatever. Yeah, I, this. <laughs> I was like, what? Who? I mean, again, I'm going to attribute that to right before filming that scene. The director's like, all right, now, James, I want you to play this like you're really tired. You really just want some coffee. Right. So James Franco takes that and he's thinking like. As he's grabbing the coffee, he just goes, coffee. <laughs> <laughs> right? He's just taking it so literal. It's not like he was out the whole night partying and drinking and get, and like doing drugs. He, it's, he was in jail, probably sleeping. It's not like he was. <laughs> exactly. He, he was in a brothel for five minutes. And he walked down a hallway. And this guy's <laughs> acting as if he got roofied. Yeah, exactly. Like he's completely hung over. He's like, he's like, oh man, I'm totally wasted. If, if any, if Deke picked him up, I think it would have shown like he, he would have been like, were you even in a brothel last night? You look so clean. Everything looks clean. <laughs> Everything's perfect. Everything's perfect on you. Did would, you just, were you at a brothel or did you just wake up from a nap? Did you fall asleep on your couch? <laughs> uh, I wrote down uh, a couple things. One, and uh, we talked a lot the last two weeks, uh, not at all this week, but about the race part of the show and they did another little twist on us with the clear implication that well it was clear to me that Mimi and Deke have a little uh, little thing going on did anybody see that that's in the book actually oh is it but Miss Mimi's not black in the book oh, of course not but anyways you, you mean when he's like he gives her his handkerchief or whatever because Miss Mimi is sick right but there's there's a clear look of romance, and for whatever reason, they're clearly trying to keep it under wraps. But for whatever reason, their blinds are completely open, and it, all it takes is a quick little tiny look from James Franco to see mm. everything that's going on, and they they clearly act embarrassed when he sees them. So, and then there's a part later in the episode where the Deke is kind of being protective. Up, oh, leave leave her alone now. So they're, they're going to obviously build on that little romance. But what, again, what's right. the point? There's no point. Here's another thing. All right. What about the scene where James Franco takes Sadie to the cabin? And the next morning, he gets those photographs shoved under the, uh, shoved under, under the door. Mm -hmm. Which, number one, I always feel like if you're Sadie... You just go, what was in the envelope? That wasn't a bill, right? Like, you know, you don't, you don't he ask is, like, he's oh, the I guess he's a liar of all time. It's, it's the same thing as when he saw a, what's his name at the, at the strip club. It's like, you don't, you don't, you don't look at, you don't look at, you don't get that look. And then you're just like, oh, okay, whatever. Yeah. Right. Uh, it's just the bill. I got to go. The whole weekend's canceled. I know we were going to stay here, <laughs> but I'm leaving right now. It's just the bill. <laughs> it's just the bill. Don't worry about it. Is more than I thought it was going to be. We got to go. Um, don't talk to me. So, so there's that. But then there's also 
when he gets back to Bill, his initial idea, what does he say? It's the CIA. They know. They're on to me. This is a message. And then, and then his option is like, therefore, we need to follow the CIA even more. It makes no sense, you know? And then it goes back to the issue of, and again, it's because I think they realized we got eight episodes to do this in. We can't do a, a flashback. But this is a prime moment where you as the time traveler, don't you say, I can do this better. Yeah. I can do this without Bill. I can do this cleaner. I can learn Russian in the two years that we've been sitting here twiddling our thumbs instead of just sitting here twiddling our thumbs for two years, not doing anything. Yeah, and that's the other thing that, that, that caught my attention. He says to Bill, he's like, I couldn't do this without you. And I'm thinking, like, the only reason you need Bill is because you're spending your time doing all this other stuff that you shouldn't be doing, right? Exactly. If you were doing what you're supposed to be doing, you wouldn't need Bill or anybody else. Guess what the show deals with? Him struggling with staying on his mission or giving it up. And guess what's compelling? Seeing a man who's, who's being forced to make a decision between a life that he wants and a mission that he was given. Mm-hmm. And by giving him this side character who basically can just sit around the house all day. And do the job for him. And do the job for him. You take away any of that. There's no struggle with that. And it is so boring and annoying, especially when the character is Bill. Here's the other thing. (laughs) So with Bill, now look, I know that this is a completely made up situation with time travel and, and this Bill guy. But it drives me crazy that the way that Bill acts in this situation is still questionable. Would he really act this way? Did you guys ever ask yourself that question? I ask it every day. Would exactly. Bill really act that way? Would Bill really act the way that he's acting? Yeah, I mean, he's, on, he's at any given moment on the verge of spilling the beans for everything. Exactly. He is never not threatening to ruin the entire plan. Exactly. <laughs> he is always on the edge of just screwing it up, giving it up, or not focusing on the big picture. And I just feel like saying, you guys are making up this. I know it's not based in reality. You guys are making this character act the way that I guess you think he would act. But I think you can make an argument that a character who said, oh, wait, you're a time traveler and you're trying to stop the assassination of a president that could stop a war and could change the outcome of history for the better. Okay, I don't think I'm going to get involved with this lady. (laughs) you know what i mean like i think i could maybe just hold on for another year and not get involved with the with the like look here's the other thing all james franco needs to tell him is dude her husband's gonna be dead in a year and a half he's gonna get shot by the club owner who shook your hand so then you can swoop right in and 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 pick her up yeah so just wait and so again the fact that you're creating false drama based on how a character would act, who's so not connected to what's actually going on, again, is so frustrating and boring and predictable. Well, it's, and it's also the exact same thing that James Franco is experiencing. So now we're dealing with two characters who are starting relationships that they shouldn't be starting uh, because it, it's distracting from what they're actually supposed to be doing. 
You know what I mean? It's just as like, why am I now? I don't want. I don't want to watch James Franco do that. Why am I now watching two people? One of whom I wish was not even on the show. <laughs> right. And sad to say, Bill is a better actor too. And so whenever they have these <laughs> two-hander scenes, and you have Bill who's celebrating a, a a win of a sports game, and all Franco has to do is pop in and be like, "Hey, Bill, listening to a game? Great, bud. Hey, we're a team, aren't we?" <laughs> Hey, see you later. I got to go back to, uh, to Sadie. Ugh, that, and then he's out. That smile, that awkward the smile. smile when he looked in and, and he's celebrating the race that I've never felt more uncomfortable. I felt like he was peeping in on him naked. That would be the same <laughs> smile that he would give. And then he walked in and then Bill's immediately snaps right into a bad mood. The whole, right. I, I have a problem with the whole show. Everything. Yeah. Every part of the, the show. The, the, the only time that I felt uncomfortable, more uncomfortable was when he was telling Sidney that she's a wonder. <laughs> and, and he ends it by repeating it. Yeah. You're a wonder. Uh, you're a wonder. It's, are you going to hear some flowers? If she would have said, are you, are you going to finish that sentence? It would have made more what sense. He, what if he started yelling F you at her <laughs> just at the end? He, just, he has nowhere else to go. You're a wonder. An effing wonder. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I guess nobody noticed this, but the last thing I wrote down was, did anyone notice when he was spying on those people and he ran up behind the truck? Did anybody notice yes. how he ran? Yes, his hand. No. He ran. <laughs> did you see his, his hand? Down, like with no <laughs> momentum whatsoever, meaning... If there was any contact, I mean, I'm talking like a fly, he would have been clotheslined. I've never seen anyone run like that. <laughs> he, he can't even run his... right while acting. <laughs> his left hand looks like a claw from the claw game, <laughs> but, but a broken one. One that's been, it's kind of hanging to the side and it's, and it's pincers are kind of off. <laughs> Go back, Justin, in, in, your, in your search for blurriness. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Find the screenshot of his left hand while he's uh-huh. running to the back of that truck. The other thing, too, is when a dog starts barking at you, you don't turn and face the dog and start waving your hands wildly to get it to <laughs> stop barking. <laughs> while the CIA is looking over in your direction. Right. I mean, if the CIA didn't see him, then they're... They're plants. They're not really CIA. And wouldn't the guy that, that then taps on his shoulder say to him, hey, why were you awkwardly staring at those people over there like you're spying on them? But no, exactly. he has no interest in that. Well, I mean, he's got a clothespin on his penis, probably. So. <laughs> they, he's dealing with his own stuff. It sounds like they both do. That's my theory. All right. Well, anything else? Yes. All right. But I'm, but I'm done. <laughs> I've got nothing. I'm just going to swallow it. <laughs> yeah. Did anybody watch? So did, did either of you watch the preview? I oh, did. Here, here's one, one quick question. If you could pretend to have written a song, what song would you have pretended to write? Stairway to Heaven. I wouldn't have, yeah, I wouldn't have picked. I forgot which Beatles. He picked a Beatles song, but he picked like just a boring, the most boring Beatles song that yeah. there was. Yeah, I mean, if we're talking about in the moment, so I'm I'm assuming 
my reaction in the moment would have been the same as when you just asked me. And yeah. my initial thought was, um, this is a little obscure, but there's <laughs> a singer who's also named Justin Blizzard who <laughs> released a like six song gospel album. <laughs> and one of the songs is all about peanut butter and jelly. That was literally the first song I thought of. That is, so I imagine that's obscure. what I would have, would have. I guess that's what I would have sang. So, so you're you have you have walked in there. She's playing that gore. I love that song. Anyway, right. you would have been like, "Hey, Sadie, can you scoot over for a second? Mm-hmm. Let me find middle C." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you would have calmly played, and you would have played the whole thing. Oh, sure. And you would have then sang her an entire and song, I, about right? And I would have immediately started singing, "Thank you, Lord, for peanut butter and jelly." <laughs> you Thank know, you, Lord, for hot dogs and chili. You know what's actually great about that is that you've covered your tracks. That even when exactly. the future catches up, and then Justin Blizzard releases that, right? She's she'll be too confused. She's so old by then; she's, she's probably on the edge of dementia, and she can't put it together. But you've uh, you've yeah. covered your tracks. Oh, sure. that's good. And 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 Chris, you have done Stairway to Heaven. Yes, that's a that's a commitment. Yeah, I would have been there for a long time. I would have said it and then immediately not been able to back it up. Because <laughs> nobody really even knows the lyrics to Stairway to Heaven. Right. Anyways. I would have done Freebird. That's a good one, too. Yeah. Good luck playing that guitar solo. Well, that, that's why I would do it. Mm. I'd All be right. like, hey, Sadie, hon, sit down. <laughs> this, this is going to be a while. Exactly. You're going to love it. Um. So, Chris, you watched the preview. I watched it, too. I'm not totally remembering what happened. I do not remember what happened at all. I remember thinking, well, it's going to be another crappy week. Yeah, it's, it's more of the same. It's more of the yeah. same. Guess who's involved? The, the, the husband. He, He's back. <coughs> he tells Sadie a lie that she doesn't believe. We knew that was coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember it just being 30 seconds of, like, snippets of people being stunned, basically. Right? And then you cut to something else, and something quick happens, and then someone's like, <gasps> Right. Love Bill that. dies. No one cares. Sure. <laughs> and James Franco doesn't reset, because <laughs> apparently he doesn't... He hasn't yeah, I, mean, I think together. that's... Again, I, I know we talked about it before, and it, it's obviously a constraint of this is an eight-part miniseries. But that's probably the what is going to be the most disappointing factor of the entire thing. It's like this idea that you can just go back and perfect this thing. And it's not even that you have to see it done over and over again. Like in um, what is that Tom Cruise movie? Uh, Edge of Tomorrow. Edge go, of Tomorrow. Go to Ground, Groundhog Day. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. You, you could breeze by some of the stuff after showing it, you know what I mean? And that would be perfectly acceptable, but because it's only, I mean, and even at this point I would have much rather had two or even three straight episodes of back and forth, just watching him doing it over and over again, figuring things out, even changing slightly small things way better only to be at the exact same place we are now. I feel like that still would have been more interesting than what we've gotten so far. Um, but what we've gotten so far is a load of 
S. <laughs> right? It's the 1950s here, Justin, so please. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I do I do kind of, as much as that does catch me off guard, I do kind of like that Franco's mentality is just, I'm going to curse at this guy so much that I'm gonna he's going to be thrown off because it's the 50s. I'm going to just never short, heard people angrily curse like this before. Exactly. I'm going to short circuit this guy by yelling the F word at him. <laughs> and it works. Yeah. It works every yeah. single time. It works on racists. It works on clothespin husbands. Maybe he's on to something. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, you've been listening to Everything is Television. Uh, my name is Justin Blizzard. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Blizzard with nine Zs. I'm Keith Krepko, and we're clothespin erection. Uh, <laughs> you can follow me at Things Come Right. And I'm at KK Summers. You can follow the show on Twitter. We are at EI Podcasts. I am still continuing to post my blurry evidence, which I feel like is only growing stronger by the episode. Uh, Some of the stuff, honestly, I find to be irrefutable. I don't know how anybody is not seeing the blurriness. And I feel a little bit like I'm going crazy. Like, you look at these pictures, and things are blurry that should not be blurry. Chris, this is a cry for help. Please <laughs> log on. I spent... Take a look at some of these and weigh I in spent the entire him. episode looking for the blurriness and did not see one blurry thing. Well, head on over to uh, twitter.com slash podcasts and you'll find ample evidence of blurry frames uh, in this show. I will do that immediately. I think we just stumbled upon a good way to cover up swears by just saying blurry. Like the way that Chris <laughs> said, I couldn't find one blurry thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> EI what? Podcasts with an S. Uh, I got to a baseball podcast when I did that. Yeah. Yeah, X-Branding. Uh, you can find more information at our website, eipodcast.com. And all of these links are in or should be in the show notes. Um, for whatever app you're using. And be on the lookout for this hand screen grab that we're going to get <laughs> sure, yeah. tomorrow, I hope so. If I, I find really want- it, I'll yes, put it up please. there. Um, so other than that, I, I imagine we will be back next week, right? Uh, Unless uh, the show kills us. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Unless the past comes out and literally stops us from watching the episode. Um, we will see you next week. God willing. God willing.